edition of the Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Robert. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Cara O'Donovan. Cara is a champion kickboxer who has been winning world and European kickboxing medals for the past two decades. More recently, she's turned a hand at karate and within three months she's become senior national champion and a member of the Karate Island squad. So welcome onto the show, Cara. Thanks very much. So before we delve into more into the episode, can you talk to us about why you got into martial arts in the first place? Yeah, I um I started when I was 12, but I actually started kickboxing because I wanted to play football in my local club. Um, and at the time, they weren't taking any girls. So um, that didn't work out for me. And then I went um, I went down to my local kickboxing club and uh, I just once I started, I fell in love with it. And that's kind of how I stuck at it from there. And then obviously later on, I read in your, in your bio on your website that you uh, were diagnosed with Crohn's. How do you think that has had an impact on your career? Um, it kind of, well, it, it's, it's hindered it a lot because I had Crohn's disease for years without realizing that I had it. Um, and I would have had a lot of kind of effects of that and even injuries with my joints and that, which I thought were from overtraining. I now see that it was actually part of this disease. So probably because I ignored the symptoms for so long, it cost me an awful lot of titles and it cost me a lot of medals. Um, but at the same time, since I've been diagnosed, um, really, I've just kind of learned to manage it. And it's kind of made me feel a little bit kind of prouder of everything that I've achieved that I've been able to do it whilst managing this. So in one way, you could look at it negatively and say, oh, well, it, you know, it cost me so much and it's not fair and feeling sorry for myself. But um, now it's kind of nice to be able to show other people that have it, maybe younger people, that you can still do everything that you want to do. You know, you just need to make a few adjustments. And then also, if we go a bit further than that, why do you think at the elite level it's got that stigmatization associated with it? Um, the, the I guess the disease itself is not really an attractive one, so people don't really talk about their bowel movements a lot, so it's not something that you discuss regularly. Uh, so from that point, when I first found out, I didn't want to talk, talk about it at all. I just wanted to pretend that it didn't exist. Um, but once people, like one or two competitors that I um, would have been competing against, they found out that I had this. And of course, they used it to their advantage. And one of the biggest triggers for me with this disease is stress. So if I get particularly stressed out or anxious about something, it flares up and I get really sick. Um, and there's just unfortunately, you know, most people in sport, I'd say 99% of people are really nice and supportive. But there's always one or two that think, oh, there's an, an opportunity to capitalize on and uh, I got an awful lot of abuse for it, um, which triggered, uh, put me under a lot of pre- uh, stress and then triggered flare-ups and I got so sick. So um, that's kind of the stigma that I found in competition, that there's um, one or two kind of uh, competitors that just don't care how they win. They just see an opportunity. Um, and then the other side of it, too, is you do a lot of traveling when you're competing. So travel when you need access to bathrooms uh, at any point can be difficult. And like I was at a European Championships in Greece, I think a couple of years ago, and um, the facilities were terrible. They had one toilet between 2,000 competitors. 
So uh, when you need to kind of go, you can't really, um, there's, there's nothing really for you to do. And the people organizing the competitions, they just didn't understand and, and really didn't care. So th- those are kind of the, some of the reasons that I've spoken out a little bit about it to try and raise awareness about it. And, um, and that's kind of some of the issues and challenges that I've come up against. And then, since you've kind of gone over to Korea, obviously you've got aspirations to compete in Tokyo now. Do you think the changeover has helped have a like a new lease of life, so to speak? Yeah, definitely. Um, I probably had gotten everything that I wanted to get out of the kickboxing done, probably even a few years ago when I was still just there kind of competing. And I didn't really have um, maybe as much motivation or I wasn't feeling maybe as challenged um, to keep training. So when I started the new sport, I, I decided just I'd see if it goes well, if I liked it. Um, and I actually, like, I love it. It's one of the best sports I've ever done. It's not too different from kickboxing, so that it's not going to take me a long time to, to catch up. Um, so, yeah, it's like it's completely fresh. It's new. It's challenging. It's like it's tough going back in at the bottom. You're used to winning things and coming home from international events with, with like with no medals. It's kind of hard to to kind of deal with at the start but um it's nice to have a challenge where you're like it's not easy and and you can build your build on goals and stuff like that so yeah it feels like completely fresh and exciting and new so it's um I, I'm just kind of I have no regrets now about leaving kickboxing I'm just kind of happy to leave it behind and, and draw a line under it but mom some some might say why why did you not possibly go into uh taekwondo for example yeah, a few people. Yeah, a few people have said that to me. I I actually tried taekwondo after the London Olympics, and um, they were trying to do like um, a talent um, identification or a crossover then, and um, I I just tried it for about six months and I just didn't like it. It wasn't um, I, for whatever reason. It's nothing to do with you know the sport is fine, but for me it just wasn't a match. Um, the equipment kept malfunctioning on me in the middle. of <laughs> so uh so obviously if that happens and it's all based on electronic scoring and uh that that just was frustrating but uh yeah I just didn't have the passion for it at all and just between work and everything at the same time I just uh I I decided not to go for that and then obviously at that time karate wasn't Olympic sport but after Rio they they announced that it was going to be in Tokyo so I decided it was a little bit more similar to kind of my style of fighting and um I just enjoy it a lot more and can you explain to the listeners how are the two sports of kickboxing and karate that similar? Um, well, the style of kickboxing that I would have done is called point fighting. And it's um, it's, it's quite similar. So it, the whole objective is to score points, but it's a stop start. So you, you have to be the first person to score a point. And if the referees, the majority of referees award you a point, the centre referee will call time and the fight stops and um, you're awarded your point and it starts over again. So it's not the same as the kickboxing that you see in the ring where it's just continuous, um, kind of continuous fighting and, and you kind of build up points. So from that point of view, it's quite similar. So karate is the same. It's about being the first person to score a point and then it stops and, and starts again. Uh, the size of the area, the fighting area is the same. Um, a lot of the tactics will be same. Similar. So the only real differences are the techniques and the level of contact that you're allowed hit with. So um, that was 
that was one of the kind of areas I've struggled with is not hitting so hard. But uh, it's, um, yeah, so th there's a lot of similarities between the style of kickboxing I've done and um, this the, the style of karate. So, yeah. yeah, but wouldn't you say from a competitive <laughs> standpoint, if you do hit the person harder, are they not like likely to end the bout, not end the bout, but become not injured, but so to speak, but have to retire as a result of it. So wouldn't you say it is a good thing to be able to hit harder? Um, possibly. I mean, that that's kind of one of the, that would have been one of my strengths coming into this sport. So in kickboxing, that would have been one of the biggest assets I had is that I hit hard, um, especially for the weight category that I'm in. But um, it's just, I guess the rules in, in karate is just a little bit different. It's being able to control your technique and throwing a technique with, it's, it's, I guess, the whole idea behind it is if you had to hit hard, you would be able to, but it's being able to control it for more demonstration purposes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if it was up to me, I'd be allowed just hit as hard as I want. But uh, at the same time, I've kind of learned to respect and, and see the reasons behind um, the control in the sport. So it's it's much more technical. And I guess it's in some ways it can be nicer to watch. Um, but um, at the same time, uh, it's it's quite difficult to learn how to control your punches and your kicks. Um, so, yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> but if we go back to the beginning now, Car. Do you think from a mindset perspective, um, martial arts has instilled within you that essence of respect and all that comes with it? I can't, obviously, I did martial arts when I was a bit younger as well. So I've got a little bit of an essence of what it, it, it brings to you, obviously, discipline and whatnot. Do you think that is a mindset that maybe kids are missing? They should maybe try martial arts to, to control their anger and things of that nature? Yeah, it's it's definitely a part of it that I really admire and, and respect in sport. I think karate is more into that kind of respect uh, than kickboxing would have been. And it's one of the sides of the sport that I love. I mean, the the athletes that you're against are very respectful. And sometimes that, like when when I was in kickboxing, sometimes that can be forgotten about. But um, yeah, it's, it's something that I kind of really... It, enjoy that side of martial arts um for for doing it for the last kind of 20 years but it's really good for like i mean like all sports uh, but i think martial arts is a good um way of developing your kind of your confidence just respect for other people um all those kind of things and yeah that is kind of the side of martial arts that i like and it's nice to still see it being part of it um i know it's starting to be lost in in other sides of martial arts maybe mma or some of them are losing it a little bit but um yeah it's it's nice to see it's still there and and do you think obviously you were instilled when you were younger you you were told obviously you're learning this in the dojo and you're not told to well you were told in the first instance this is not to go out of this room to use like in the street do you, do you think for, for in your opinion uh, kids possibly nowadays they kind of say oh well, he's he's just telling us that to to show that we show him respect so, but then kids are then taking it outside and using it um i i don't think so i think um any club that i've been part of they've been very strict on that if anybody has ever used what they've learned in the club kind of outside um on a saturday night after a club they've been fairly quickly um told to leave the club and obviously if there's um kind of police or guards involved in it that's been followed up on as well 
So um, I do think it's important that you say that. I mean, I go into schools and do demonstration with kids and I always try and make a point of saying, you know, don't go out to the playground now in 10 minutes and start punching your friends. Uh, so you kind of talk about the safety equipment side of it and the fact that you have to practice it in um, kind of a safe environment. But yeah, I mean, I've never really come up against many people that are using it outside of the club um, and any of the instructors are coaches that I've worked with over the years and if anyone has kind of caused trouble with that they've been fairly quick to get rid of them get rid of them and you do get expelled out of clubs over it so to me that's like not the essence of martial arts if you're you're there to do it as a sport and if you're using it outside of it you don't deserve to be in the club at all and I probably you could probably go a step further than that car and say if you've learned it in a school environment and you've only seen it for the first time you're not only putting the other person at risk if you did it, you're also putting yourself at, at risk of getting injured as well. Yeah, like absolutely. I mean, if if you've only done one or two kickboxing sessions or karate sessions, you really don't know what you're doing. Um, and if you decide then you're an expert and start going out and, and pick on the wrong person, you're probably going to get hurt. Um, so it's important to realize your limits and know that you might not be an expert in this area. And I mean, one of the things that, when, you know, as you do get a little bit better and as you do become an expert in the sport, like the the, the whole idea behind it is that you, have, you learn how to avoid any conflict and walk away before it ever escalates into anything physical. So that would be the number of kind of one basis of all self-defense is how to avoid getting in a confrontation at all costs. Um, and then obviously... If, if it does come to that, that you are able to protect yourself. So that's the one side of it that is good, that especially for young girls, that if they are ever attacked or anything like that, that you do have a little bit of self-defense background. So. And then now we go probably back onto, onto the sports side of things and look at you looking towards going towards Tokyo and competing at the Olympics. Did you ever think that you would, in your wildest dreams, have that opportunity? Um... To be honest, I did. Um, since I started kind of kickboxing, or maybe when I was a teenager, there's always been talk that, oh, you know, kickboxing will get into the Olympics. So in the back of my mind, that was something that I had always hoped for or always believed might actually happen. Um, as it turned out, that didn't happen. Um, I don't know the kind of the whole... Um, issues or how it actually becomes an Olympic sport. As a kid, you kind of believe what you're hearing from the people that are running the sport. So in my head during that time, I thought, yeah, I'm actually going to get to go to Olympics here. Um, but as I was getting a bit older, I started to get a bit more realistic and realise that oh, this isn't going to happen here. So um, then once karate got announced and I started looking at a few videos and I thought, oh, geez, you know, I can actually do that. That's not too uh, dissimilar from, from what I'm doing. Um, so in one way, like it's always been in the back of my mind as a possibility. But now after doing the sport for quite a few months and um, having a bit of success at it, it's starting to become far more realistic now. And um, I fought some of the best fighters in the world already and I'm, I'm not that far off. So it's becoming much more of a reality. I still have two and a half years or a little bit kind of less than that to, to even get better and to try and beat these girls. So yeah, like at the minute now it's become much more realistic. And then obviously, well, it's a, as an athlete, well, well, fortunately retired, so I don't have to worry about things <laughs> like that. But obviously, two years is a long, is a lifetime in that in that time period. But what are your aspirations, probably going forward, maybe beyond Tokyo? Um, 
I haven't really kind of thought beyond that for, you know, for in terms of being an athlete or uh, still competing. Um, who knows what might happen after that? Maybe if they say kickboxing is going to be in the Paris 2024, I'll take a look back. But realistically speaking, I'd say in the next couple of years, I'll probably retire from sport. Um, like I'm 33 now, so uh, you're probably, you know, when you're going into your kind of mid to late 30s, your uh, body starts to stop working maybe as well as it did in your 20s so um beyond that i'm not too sure um but realistically speaking it's probably not going to be something that i continue on as an athlete at that level have, uh, would, have you, would you ever consider going into coaching or is that not in your remit um i might do it's not really something that i've given much kind of focus to at the minute um it's very hard i know some people that are doing some coaching and and being an athlete at the same time but i find it's very hard to, to do both because you need to be really quite selfishly absorbed in yourself when you're being an athlete and not looking after 20 or 30 different athletes so at the minute it's just not something i've given any time to but um, I might do it. I mean, I have a background in sports psychology as well, so that that's kind of another opportunity or kind of avenue that I might go back into because um, that's kind of something that's really interesting to me. Um, and then I do some athlete mentoring as well, so maybe I'll just continue it a bit more of that. But um, God, I haven't really given much. I'll probably yeah, panic in about two and a half, three years' time and think, <laughs> oh, God, what am I going to do? But uh, I'm sure I'll figure that out when the time comes. And you, and you bring up that car your your background with sports psychology. Have you, during your career, utilised some of the techniques that you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons I I opted to do a master's in sports psychology um uh, it's about ten years ago now, and the biggest kind of reason I did that was I struggled massively with my own kind of. Um, nerves, anxiety, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I had no idea why or how to control it or how to manage it. Um, so I decided, well, look, there was an opportunity here to do a degree or a master's degree in it. So everything that I learned through that, I've um, I've implemented in my own kind of training regime. So I do like um, a lot of mental skill training every week. It's kind of a big part of my overall training plan. So even stuff like visualization, how I'm setting my goals, all that sort of stuff is a massive part of like my daily training schedule. It's just incorporated into everything. And and now that you're you do mentoring as well, do you say that to the kids that is uh, one aspect of sport that they should definitely delve into to well obviously as we know at the elite level it's that one percent. Do you say to for them to focus on on trying to try and perfect that as early as on as they can yeah well I mean I probably wouldn't get as kind of um that detailed about it uh but I definitely um bring in the message that I mean you could be the best technically physically and really at a high level of sport there's very little difference technically and physically or tactically between athletes um so i mean talking about belief in yourself all that sort of thing is something a message that i kind of bring in when i am in schools and talking to younger athletes or younger kids because no matter what it is even if it's not sport no matter what your goals are if you don't believe in yourself you haven't really got a hope you're not giving yourself the best chance so like that's the message that i will give to people starting off whether it's sport or anything else 
is that you have to believe in yourself to even give yourself a chance of of achieving goals and sometimes you know don't listen to other people because a lot of people will be very quick to knock your goals especially when they're a little bit mad or a little bit more than kind of challenging or not realistic so sometimes you just have to um use that kind of uh, mental side or kind of I guess sports psychology side of things to to um get yourself over that last little hurdle and do you think obviously if we look on the positives of you having Crohn's do you think having to have overcome that disease and having to live with it has given you that uh, resilience? Reli- I can't speak resiliency to to kind of look at re reevaluate goals and and kind of reflect on where you're going within your sporting career. Yeah, it's it's definitely starting to help me now because I would have uh, struggled with maybe believing in myself in certain situations before but I think when you've when you come up against something like Crohn's disease and there isn't a lot known about it but it's one of the most difficult things to overcome and it's still something that I live with every day but um once I've kind of got a little bit of remission I thought well look if I can fight this and beat this um, winning in kickboxing is a breeze or winning in uh, sport is actually a lot easier. So I don't mean to trivialise the achievements of uh, any of my kind of fellow athletes in the sport, but when you can overcome something like this, it puts it, uh, everything else into perspective and um, it makes you readjust how you look at things as well. So not only do I think it's it's going to be a little bit less of a challenge but it's only you know it's not life or death anymore it's it's a sport and I can kind of sit back down a bit more and enjoy it and relax a little bit as much as I'm serious about it if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but I'm certainly not gonna um it won't work out for lack of trying anyway I'm gonna give it my best shot and have a bit of fun with it as well I think I can relate with that but probably from the retirement standpoint because I think people are fixated on it's a win or when it, when it all costs mentality and you kind of try to instill to kids, well, just go out there and enjoy it, first of all. Uh, and then, depending on how, how high, high up you go, then it becomes more serious because obviously money plays a big part of it. But it's, I would probably say, it's not forgetting why you got into the sport in the first place. Obviously, people continue on into their 30s, some to their 40s, because they haven't lost that useful enjoyment for that sport. So it comes back to it. It's, it's coming back to that essence of enjoying it. And I, like you say, it's it's not. It's at the end of the day, whatever sport it is, it's a game. It's 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 got to have that enjoyment, and it's not going away from that. And I think you're very much at peace with yourself then. Yeah, de- definitely. I think it just has to be fun. It has to be something that you enjoy doing every day because otherwise, I I don't think, well, you might reach your goals, but you're not even going to take any enjoyment out of doing it. So if you're struggling every single day, wanting to win that badly um, and not enjoying a second of it, like you're waste, you're just wasting your life away because um, to me, there's, there's just no satisfaction in that. So um, the most important thing for me is that every day I get up, and I do what I love. Um, and if there's a day I get up and I don't want to do it, I won't do it. Um, but at the minute, it's it's fun. It's challenging. And I think that is the most important thing as well as, 
you know, taking it, the serious side of it. I mean, if you're obviously going to be an elite athlete, there is certain things that you need to do. But I think at the kind of basis of it all is that it has to be enjoyable. And that even goes for, you know, we say that to five or six-year-old kids, but I still think it has to be part of elite sport as well because sometimes just with all the goals and especially in sports that are, as you say, money-driven, you kind of lose that. Um, so for me, I'm I'm delighted. I'm lucky. I, I, I just get to get up and do what I love every day. So... Great, but Cara, talk to me about the, the 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 mindset that you go through on the days that obviously every athlete has these. Um, maybe less so than, than others, but when the days that you're, we'll say, in pain, you know, like inflammation and things like that, how do you motivate yourself to be driven to go to training? Um. For like within reason, uh, I will try and push myself as much as possible. So if I have like, I mean, one of the most common effects of Crohn's disease is just really bad fatigue. So you're just exhausted, but it's not, you can't sleep. It's not that kind of tiredness. It's just not being able to do anything. So when I can, I'll try and push myself myself um I've completely changed around the work that I do so I used to work a lot of hours to try and support my sports career but um I had to readjust that I used to work 50 hours a week I had to cut that back massively because I was literally exhausted so I how I manage that now is I work a lot less and which gives me more time to train and to recover in between sessions as well um, um, but then if there's days that I'm like really sick, I just have to accept that I'm sick and I can't do it. And that was one of the hardest things to come to terms with is that like I've missed a couple of big competitions over this because I just physically couldn't do them. I was just constantly sick. But at the minute, um, I'm quite lucky. I have like I've been quite well, so um, it hasn't been too challenged in that way. But you just try and push yourself as much as you can and remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Um, but there is obviously going to be times where you just have to accept and just listen to your body and kind of just go with it and, and deal with deal with missing out on an event if you have to. And if we come to the issue of obviously funding, is it is it a hindrance, so to speak, to compete against the likes of we say say the athletes in the UK? Obviously, they're going to be. I'm of the assumption with karate being an Olympic sport now, they will also be funded. Is it is it a bit difficult for you to be able to how would I word this compete on a level footing yeah it's like it's always a it used to frustrate me a lot even even in kickboxing uh, maybe not the UK because it's it's not an Olympic sport but there would have been nations that we were competing against that were funded like Turkey and um, a lot of the European nations that maybe feel like in eight years time it's going to be Olympic sports so they had pumped in money a long time ago um, and that used to frustrate me but then I just thought you know what you don't need it because I, we were beating these guys anyway even with their funding um, so now I've just accepted that yeah there is going to be every other nation bar Ireland probably or one or two small ones that aren't funded um, but there's always a way to do it I mean I think if you focus all the time on um, not having enough funding or not having enough this that you'll just find an excuse to sabotage yourself so um, I try not to think about it too much. It would be nice if Sport Ireland came in and said, yeah, we'll fund this sport. Um, I think they're going to regret not doing it because um, I'm very confident winning a medal and it's not just me. I think we've got some serious talent in the squad coming through. 
but at the same time I don't put all my energy on it if if they decide to come in and fund us next year that'll be great but if they don't I'll find another way to do it so I just don't give it too much thought um but yeah I, I think the GB squad have actually just announced their funding they've got pretty well funded over the last I think it's last month they just announced it so yeah, it's, it's, well, it can be a pain. Well, as you say, Cara, it's it's nothing you can do about it. It's the it's the higher powers that be that kind of have to deal with that issue of of money, and you kind of kind of eh, you kind of have to get on with it. And I think people on the outside of sports will probably say, "Well, I think there's that assumption because you're an elite athlete. Oh, you must be getting paid, or you must be." getting some recompense for doing it it's like well not always yeah yeah no it's it's definitely not that way here and uh, like some some sports are funded here but uh we're we're certainly not the only ones over here that aren't funded there's other sports that wouldn't get the same kind of level of funding um it's going to definitely be a challenge some of the competitions we've got later in the year are over in asia and a few places like that so that's going to cost quite a bit of money um but I know I'll find a way to do it and I, I think um maybe it's a little bit naive, I don't know, but I, I genuinely believe there's a way to, to win without all the luxuries or without all the um the the funding. Obviously it makes life easier if you have all those things in place. But I think if you really want to do something you'll find a way to do it. Well, if we to, if you hop back to the UK now, it's only what we two thousand eighteen, it's only see if I get the math right, twenty twenty two years ago that funding didn't exist so they were obviously like they were in the same circumstances that you as you are uh with having a job and 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 trying to train i'm of that uh generation that didn't have to balance the two so i would say i'm probably quite fortunate and maybe as i reflect on it now probably that essence of very privilege it's i didn't have to have the balance the two i could concentrate solely on sport I, I i wouldn't say it was for everybody because if you come become fixated and driven only on sport you can kind of get obsessed with that so i was probably fortunate enough i was in education at the same time so i could kind of balance one off the other one could kind of relax me and then i could forget about the other so i think that worked for me okay it's not for everybody but i think it's probably the essence of how would I put it? Um, I can't think of the word. Entitlement is that we were probably in that generation of entitlement. They know they the athletes, athletes nowadays. They know no different. So I would probably be a little bit more humble and say, well, if it wasn't for all these past athletes who had to sacrifice and put us in this position, I wouldn't have that luxury of where I was as as a career. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like it's um yeah, it's it's it is quite it is quite new. I mean, obviously in the UK though it has paid off. Like there's some serious medals have come from it as well, but um I actually just even looking at the the money that was invested for the Rio games and in Ireland our I think we had maybe two or three medals, but our medals actually cost a hell of a lot more than the GB medals when you broke it down per kind of the investment per medal. So uh, um, like so sometimes you don't, you know, um, the money isn't everything. Like so even in the with GB investing, say less per medal, if you take it that way, um, they're still coming out with an awful lot more success than we are here. So, um, I I don't know if that makes a little bit 
a bit of sense but really where I'm going with it is that um it just it, it doesn't it's not something that I'm overly focused on I think we wasted a little bit of money over here over the last kind of cycle um so it hasn't paid off even with the investment that they have made so you can well, I, I think like you said earlier in the episode as an athlete you are very self-centered uh very much determined egotistically driven on yourself and you put the blinkers on anyway so you kind of forget about what goes around on the outside world so to speak and kind of focusing on yourself so I think everything else is an afterthought probably yeah but that, that's it like you could you could spend all your time focusing on, on everything else but you do like I mean if you want to be a successful at least you do have to be sometimes quite a bit self-absorbed and, and focus on what you're doing um and the way I look at it is that maybe it's my sport I'm not saying it'd be the same for every sport some sports cost a lot more money um than the sport I'm in so um but when I look at what I'm doing I, I just 100% believe that there is a way to do it um on a on a budget and like I mean obviously I'm going to need some funding but I, I can do fundraising or try and get some sponsorships for that and it is something that I'm looking for but it's not going to be the reason that I do or don't qualify. I'll find a way to get there either way. And my final question for Kara: If you had to summarize this episode that we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Um, oh, wow. Tough question. <laughs> um, I guess just from my own point of view, I think that even if you know you're going to have challenges or obstacles there's always going to be a way to achieve whatever you want to do so i mean i'd say don't give up on any kind of goals or dreams uh, just keep focused on it and there'll be avenues just open up before you so that's kind of that's i guess my summary of it all so once again Cara, thanks for coming on the mindset game podcast thanks a million for having me my pleasure Great stuff. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short written review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it would be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast. Oh, my God.